welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today we have Fox Sports Radio anchor Brian Finley and UCLA Bruins insider. Today we talk about Brian Finley's first trip to Pullman, meeting Mike Leach, what it was like to film Washington State football games. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Go Cougs. Calling Brian Finley, anchor on Fox Sports Radio. For the listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you give us the 30-second elevator pitch about yourself? The 30-second elevator pitch. I'm Brian Fenley. I am an anchor for Fox Sports Radio. I do some tennis work for ESPNU, and I've worked in local TV for many years in smaller markets like Memphis and even in Spokane, up near your neck of the woods. Oh, I work for I work for Krem 2, actually used to uh, film Washington State football games back in the day. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you uh, ever talk to Mike Leach at all? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had just taken the job, and I was at the game when UCLA was up in Pullman, man, and it was under 30 degrees. And Washington State, they fell behind by a lot, but then they came back late and made it interesting. And it was yeah. Like 2013 was Brett Hundley was the quarterback for the Bruins. Oh, Brett Hundley. Oh, that's a name. That's an old name there. Jeez. <laughs> and then went to the Packers. You're right. Yep. Okay. The, Just yep. wanted. Okay. So you went to University of North Carolina, Greensboro. What did you major in? I majored in communications and Spanish. And with every passing day and with every day I don't use my Spanish, I lose it. So I'm looking for people to practice on. Interestingly enough, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm really? broadcast production and majoring in Spanish as well. Really? Yeah. Those are two. If you can use both of those, you are going to be well ahead of the game. That's that's the goal. I love the Spanish language. It's so much fun. Yeah. I'm actually taking one of my Spanish courses right now in the summer for credit. And we have a Spanish meeting at like 1.30. So I'm going to go talk in Spanish. Oh, cool. So Good yeah. for you. Hey, if you ever want to practice Spanish. Absolutely. Just okay, message, cool. You know, do it. Yeah. It's great. I love the language. Sure. So did you, were you involved in like a student radio station on campus at all? or? Yeah, that was key. And I'm sure, I know you do that as well, right, yes. Walker? You're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. I started out at WUAG and I hosted a, it was a, I was a DJ and I was doing electronic music, a lot of techno. And I did a seven to 10 PM shift on Saturday nights. So I like to think that a lot of the fraternities would tune me in before they got to the parties. It was like the ultimate pregame show. At least I like to tell myself that who knows if anybody was listening but it was fun and we would actually have like freestyle rappers on we would just go nuts and it was just try to bring in some comedians we had some fun and i thought that that would be a cool little outlet for me and then i said let's run with it and see where this takes us well it's obviously worked out well you made it to i would say one of the big networks in fox sports so i wanted to talk about fox sports radio for a second sure the industrial complex of sports shut down 120 days ago and during the first day on a couple of the shows there was a worry express like what are we going to be able to talk about but the quality and the sports news hasn't stopped so what has been the biggest surprise to you during the sports hiatus probably the fact walker that fox sports radio's podcast downloads are like at an all-time high and this was even when sports were taking place people want the content they like the storytelling and like you said even though there aren't games to talk about you can really see who is the creative one who is really wise about how they can expand their brain and you know i I think sometimes calling and reacting to games is kind of like a kind of like a a crux 
it's harder to back away and then create monologues and stories when there aren't games to react to. And so that's where I think the, the most talented rise to the top. I think it's the, in a way, it's, you see the people when there's sports, people generally have the same takes, but when there are no sports, you have to go above and beyond and actually be creative and see what's yes. going on. Like, let's say for my podcast, it's just Washington State mostly, but there's no, there's no baseball. The season ended. There's no spring sports. So you, I had to then learn about recruiting and how recruiting worked to then make content happen. I couldn't just stop my podcast because then what? It doesn't grow. Yeah. Well, no, for sure. And then you could also get creative and look at, let's spend an episode talking about the season that was in 2015 or track down old players or do a story on a, a, a former Coug who went on to Major League Baseball and profiling him in a story on a podcast episode. So there's so many different ways that you can engage the audience. And for those that said that sports radio is going to die without sports. That's not been the case at all. Like listenership has shot up. And the, like I said, the podcast numbers have been through the roof. And I think that's probably the most surprising thing through all of this. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I hear it a lot. All those shows like our podcast numbers are up. And I think personally, I love sports radio. I even have a, I love it's nearby, but yeah, I do. I'm such a radio nerd. I have a little portable radio I carry oh around. My gosh. Yeah. So it looks like uh, a calculator. Yeah. It's tiny. It, two stations you can tune into. So I just oh have this set to the Fox stations. And I'm just, nice. whenever I have a break, I just plug in my headphones and listen to whoever the local Seattle guy is for Fox Seattle. Oh man. Smart man. <laughs> Love radio. It's the best. All right. So you work for ESPN covering college tennis. How'd you become the tennis guy for ESPN? Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm the tennis guy, but like, I I'm grateful that I got to do a, an event and hopefully that that gets to lead to more down the road. I actually had a couple tennis events for the USTA that I was supposed to do this summer calling some challenger tournaments, which as you know, Walker sort of like the, the minor league right below the ATP main tour. And unfortunately both of those events got canceled. One was going to be in Kentucky. The other one was going to be in Massachusetts. So I'm kind of like I'm supposed to do those successive weeks, late July, early August. And based upon what the tennis schedule is being revamped and changed, it looks like they're going to start playing again in mid August. So I, I didn't miss, I, I missed the cutoff there. And so it, it stinks, but I started out doing like some emceeing at some like events as at tennis events. And my deep down goal Walker was to call events and especially tennis, because I feel like if you can do that, there's not a whole lot of people that call tennis. There's a lot of people that call football, baseball, basketball, but if you can get in with tennis, that could open yourself up to some opportunities. So I just started devoting myself to watching a lot of tennis, studying up on it, learning the lexicon, and then also watching tennis, but closing my eyes and just listening to how a play points out or plays out and then hearing how the broadcaster reacts to it. Huh? That's smart. It's, if you can get a niche and you're the best at it, like if you're the number one tennis podcast, you can succeed. I think that's brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then I was also before this interview browsing your LinkedIn to see where you've worked. And I, I okay, noticed yeah. you were the Padres radio post game host anchor. That would be my dream job, but for the Giants, I'm a diehard Giants fan or any. Are you? Okay. Team. Yes. Big diehard. I'm from San Francisco, but I moved to Seattle. Ah, yes. Yeah. So, what is that like? Well, so it was temporary. I'll be on. Oh, I'll be okay. upfront honest with you. So I did a couple games. It was kind of on a fill-in basis, but uh, it was kind of, it was crazy because 
I got a, I was told for a while that I wasn't going to do it. I was told I was that they were thinking about using me. And then I was told no. And so I got so down and I started really getting gloomy. And then all of a sudden I get this text that says, can you do this game? And yeah, so it was great experience. I think the first time I did it, I was really nervous. I think I spoke too fast. I, you know, I, it's kind of like anything, you know, you're, you're doing your first run through on something and you're going to have some extra nerves. And I, I felt like I was a victim of that. But I think the second time around when I did it, I was, was calmer and was, was better off. Baseball, to be honest with you, Walker, is not necessarily my favorite. It's not my forte. So ultimately, while it didn't work out and I did not do more than like a couple games with them, Ideally, I wanted to move over to LA. That was kind of, there's a lot more going on up here as far as different media outlets and channels. And I was grateful for the opportunity at Fox because it took me over a year to get in the building. And the second I thought that I was never going to be in that building was the second I got an email that says I would be in the building. And that's kind of how it works sometimes, right when you least expect it. But the most important thing through all this is to develop as many relationships as possible. In a sense, you're like cultivating seeds. You're planting them all over the place. And by virtue of percentages, the more people you meet, the more people you connect with, you get in front of, the more opportunities that you could be throwing your way. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I just, so when I was to tie it into this, when I was starting the podcast, in early October, I was nervous about asking people to be on my show. And my dad, who worked in media for his whole life, said, the worst thing that happens is people say no. And I was still nervous. And then <laughs> yeah. quarantine, I just started DMing random, random, cougar, yeah. random people. And then I saw you follow me on Twitter. And I'm like, let's go. I'll DM you. Yeah. And then I couldn't agree. You just, you got to put your foot in the door just, just to get out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm very sympathetic. And I always like helping those that are trying to get started in the business. So when I looked at your bio, and I said, you know, you're a student radio and your work podcasts and radio, I said, you know what, I've been in his shoes before. Let's see if you know, I can keep tabs on him. And if there's any way I can help him because it's important to, to give back and to, to pay it forward. To be honest, I was very excited because I listened to the Ben Maller show all the time. Oh, my So I knew you on that, yeah. Uh, So actually, I had a question off of that. Okay, sure. So the Maller militia is a bit strange. I consider myself a P1. Yeah, yeah. I flew down early from a family vacation to meet Ben when we were in LA. Oh, cool. He came to Seattle, so my parents let me fly home. Shout out to them and meet him early. I took the train down there, met Ben at a random bar. That was super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mallard Militia, they were, they were very strange. Like, I met uh, Ed in Spokane, Robbie the Marin. Okay. They're all great people. Yeah. But the Mallard Militia itself is a little unique. So where do you think the Mallard Militia falls on your hier- the hierarchy of fandom? You know, they've grown on me. When I first filled in for Eddie, they were like hazing me. You know, they were rough. They were trying to torture me and deflate me. And I was like, well, what did I do? I'm just here to fill in. And they were, I was getting a little like, I don't know, you, you've probably, Arnie Spanier, who, who does another show on the weekend, yeah. he gets bombarded, berated by the Maller Militia. Oh. And I think to a point where he's talked about on the radio, Walker, that he never wants to fill in for Ben anymore. <laughs> so, no, that would be. They're intense, I'll, man. I'll tell you what, though, like, I think they they put up this like, oh, we're, we're, we're tough nose, we're stiff, we're, we're, we're badasses. But if you hang in there with them, and you, you show them that you care, and that you're 
you know, all in on what Ben's doing, which I am, I have a lot of respect for Ben, then I think they slowly open up to you. And I I think some of them have created this little offshoot called like Fenley Fanatics, but they are much nicer. They follow me now. And I realize that when they're being harsh or mean, it's not so much to be taken personally, even though early on, I was I was kind of intimidated. I was I'll be honest with you. But now I feel like I'm on a level of respect with them that took time. Yeah, it's they I mean they called you Ned Flanders, right? You're the Ned Flanders. <laughs> One of the many things they have called me. Right, yeah. No, they do grow on you and you have to embrace it and that's key, I think. Yeah. But tying back to sports right now, much like the baseball season we were just previously talking about, COVID is expected to impact co- the college football season. Some speculate that it might move to the spring or others say it might be conference games only. I know no one knows, but if you were to guess, how would you see things playing out? For college football? College football. For college football. I think that you're going to see some teams start on time and some teams not. And that's going to be the very challenging thing because if you have some teams start on time and some that don't, and those two teams play each other, then what do you do? So then you might have to go to a conference format. But I have, I mean, I would say 99% confidence that like the SEC is going to play on time. Right. I don't know as much about the Pac-12. And I look at California and you might even see some teams in the Pac-12 be ready to go. But it's going to be a crapshoot because some conferences and some teams are going to say, hey, we're ready. And others are going to say we're not. And we've never seen this before, but people better be ready for this roller coaster ride because it's going to be a suspenseful movie that we're going to have to react to in real time, which nobody knows how to handle these situations because they've never happened before. But I have confidence, Walker, that some teams will start on time and others will not. I think the analogy for the suspenseful movie or roller coaster you just said was great. I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. And I think people have to go into this realizing that you don't, you can't expect us this to be normal. It's just not going to be. If a game is called because of COVID, that's what happens. You just have to roll with the punches. Exactly. So you are the, the Learfield IMG college host for UCLA. Could you explain a little bit what that is? Yeah. So I team up with a guy named Nick Cope, who's great. And we do it during football and basketball season. I've done it the last three years. And so what it is, it's, it's basically, and I know Learfield IMG has a hub at Washington State. They do. And actually, I know a guy who worked for them or does work for them at Washington State, which you should connect and I'll have to set you guys up. That'd be fun. But uh, yeah, so I host like their weekly coaches show with, with Nick Cope and we'll have on during football season, we'll have Wayne Cook on as an analyst. Wayne, of course, is part of the UCLA football broadcast team. And he's also a former quarterback with the Bruins. And so we will every week analyze the prior game, spend a couple segments doing that. And then we will also look ahead to the next game. And then we'll also have interviews with some Olympic stars, some Olympic athlete, you know, studs at UCLA, because so many of those Olympic sports at UCLA, the the talent level is just incredible. And then during basketball season, we'll have Tracy Murray, who is the color commentator for UCLA radio for basketball and spent many years in the NBA. And so we'll have him on analyzing and looking ahead to games. That's so cool. I'm gonna have to think about a listen when we play UCLA. But I want to touch on the UCLA quarterback situation right now. Mm-hmm. So UCLA has an obviously very skilled quarterback in Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I saw that firsthand in that horrific loss up in Pullman to UCLA this season. <laughs> 
don't even want to get it. That was just humiliating. Wow. I was drinking a milkshake with some friends, watching the game because we all thought it was over, so we left. And then we're looking at the TV and we go, oh, we just lost. Okay. <laughs> but Dorian Thompson Robinson's a little bit unique because he was the number one recruit in his high school class despite not playing a game coming out of Bishop Gorman. What do you do you see him? Obviously, he's a good college quarterback, but do you see his skill set being able to translate to the NFL? Well, and, and you, like you said, I think I think call, I think in high school he played a different position for most of it. So yeah, wide receiver, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe or something like that. So he wasn't. Yeah, like you said, he didn't have a whole lot of experience as a quarterback. What I want to see Dorian this year is I want to see him get at least six six wins. Six you know, wins. his first two years he dealt with injury, a significant one. His first year, uh, the Bruins only had three wins. Then last year they have only four, and I don't think it's all his fault. But I do believe that he would have benefited in retrospect to a redshirt year. But I don't think UCLA had that tolerance. I think they, they, they were urgent for help. And so you throw him in there when he's still a little bit raw. And you can see just how much game experience has helped him improve. What I'll be curious to see now, I do think that his skill set can translate to the NFL. All he needs to do, two things. He needs to be smarter about taking care of his body when he knows he's going to run with a football. And he also has to be better as far as his accuracy with the deep ball. And I think that sometimes he can get a little erratic throwing the deep ball and into tight coverage, it gets picked off. So he's got to do a better job of accuracy and being more pinpoint with his deep throws. And then also being smart with his body, not trying to expose himself to as many crushing hits because he can be, and I don't want to call him fragile, because he's not, but as much as he runs and just at his size, he is leaving himself up for the risk of being injured. And that's the last thing we need. Right. And I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but do you feel like he's kind of like Lamar Jackson? Like they both love to run and they're not injury prone, but just inherently as a quarterback, if you run, you're going to get hit more than if you stay in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think Lamar Jackson as well, one of his downsides and one in which he's trying to work on is his accuracy throwing the football we know what he can do running the foot and when the pocket collapses for dorian he's great at improvising and picking up some chunk yardage it's just when there is no opportunity to run he's sitting back in the pocket looking at his options and he's got to go deep even if he has time that's where he has to work on his precision that's interesting. I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. But transition to another UCLA sport, we're ta- I'm going to talk about basketball. Along with the Under Armour saga, there's another storyline, and I think that storyline is, does Sheen Nix decommitting from UCLA and signing with the new G League Pathway program? How do you think the G League, will imp- the G League Pathway program will impact the future of college basketball as a whole in the long term and then just college basketball in the short term with all the big five-star recruits decommitting from their schools. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting dynamic because we were all really excited about having Knicks on UCLA's roster. He had committed, he was all in, and then all of a sudden the program in UCLA gets broadsided by him deciding to take some money going the G League route. One thing I'm concerned about is that if too many guys, Walker, think that they're good enough for this G League select team, and they get rid of their eligibility and they go all in on this and maybe they don't fit in. So I also wonder what the G League select will look like if we go to a scenario where we go back to having a way of having high school players being able to go pro again. So 
I, I think that that's going to happen in the next year or two. I think that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people that 2022 could be where we could see high school players going right back to the NBA. And there also is going to be, and I was talking to, I had Adam Zagoria on this podcast I do, which I'm going to post in a little bit later today, but I asked him that same question, Walker, that you were asking me, why would players stick around if there is money in the G league and they're good enough? Well, guys like to be seen on TV. There's more exposure in college as far as television and they like to see their name in the NCAA tournament. And that could actually help their brand even more than perhaps making that instant cash from the G league. You could make more in the long run, potentially if you go and have a great first one season in college. Right. And I think that actually ties in great to my next question. It feels like endorsements are moving from schools now to the players because in California, they passed the fair pay to play act, which for people who don't know, it permits college athletes to financially profit from the use of their name, image, and likeness. It'll go into effect in 2021. How do you think, do you think this law will help combat the G League pathway program? And then will it also, what do you think the, how do you think this will impact recruiting outside of the state of California? Because obviously the Pac-12 has tons to gain from this. Yeah, I think that it will help players stay in college, those that do decide to do so. And you're also seeing states like Florida who are trying to put in some measures as far as enhancing the name, image, and likeness stuff in regards to kind of moving that along faster and putting the pressure on the NCAA. I mean, the NCAA, this is a long time coming. This should have happened a long time ago. There are a lot of people, a lot of athletes. I just look at UCLA, for example, Walker. There are gymnasts that have like hundreds of thousands of followers at UCLA, and they're not able to capitalize on that. And it's a disservice to them and their branding. I think this is a long time coming. I'm glad to see this is happening. The whole question is, and what continues to be the, the feeling was, is having, we had a Jeff Goodman on and he was, he, he was all for this. And just, he felt that the NCAA's first crack at this, as far as allowing athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, it's going to go sideways. It's going to take some time to kind of amend what they're thinking and tweak what they're doing. And then the whole thing about, well, where's the limit? Is there any, are there any guardrails? The NCAA hasn't exactly been forward and forthright about what those are. And so there's still a lot of unanswered questions here, but leave it to the states to put the pressure on the NCAA to, to turn, the, turn the tide. Right. I think also some of the concerns expressed were that they think, oh, the football players and basketball players are the ones getting money. But right. I think inherently, because it's a free market, I think exactly. the, the market will dictate who can make money. Yeah. I think for exactly the gymnasts at UCLA, they're fantastic. They're on, I see them on TV all the time. I don't know why a car dealership wouldn't just say, hey, um, do you want tw- here's $5,000 to just endorse our car. Like, I think that's totally fine. I don't have an issue with that. And I think helps just keep everyone interested in sports keeps the athletes in school and like if you're a gymnast and you're i don't know if there's pro gymnastics but it's a little incentive to stay in school longer to just make more money too and it helps the schools in the long term as well exactly i think it's a win-win and and jeff goodman brought up this this take that let's say you had a ucla basketball player and you were i don't know a frat party and you were you're throwing a party and you were like hey you can get a chance to meet x player and that X player will show up to the party. He will make a certain amount of money. Maybe it's a percentage off how many come in or he gets a, 
a flat fee, but whatever it is, you get appearance fees, stuff like that could be in the possibility of happening with the, the rulings that are coming out with the NCAA. We'll have to see. Yeah, I think I hadn't thought of that. I think that's actually a really smart idea. I think that's very easy to do. I think that yeah. would also work for like bars and stuff. Like I know mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, when he had his jersey retired, he rented out a seat in the Coug. And I'm obviously not 21, so I couldn't go, but there were just lines of people out and thinking of it for like, let's say DJ Rodman, who's one of our basketball players, he could do that. And it would just be a good source of income. I think that's fair because some athletes can't make jobs and can't get jobs and then they're not on a full scholarship. So I think it definitely is a win-win. And I think expediting this whole thing with making money in in college athletes, it's going to be rapidly i think needed needing to happen because of like you're seeing a lot of these schools are having to cut some of their olympic sports because of financial reasons due to the coronavirus so schools are going to be looking for all sorts of ways to make money this should make it even easier for them to try and supplement their income and try to stem some of the losses they're going to have if they can get the the players on board with this and profiting off image likeness all of that it's going to be really important even more now right touching on cutting sports i saw about i want to say an hour ago i saw a little flash on my phone that said stanford had just cut 22 teams or something absurd like it's already impacting and i would think stanford they have a huge endowment this shouldn't happen but it did even stanford's taking hits they had to cut wrestling volleyball and a couple other sports it was crazy yeah yeah i think yeah like i saw it was like 11 or something and yeah even squash and synchronized swimming and you hate it because i think what I read, Walker, was that there were over 200 people affected. Yeah, and you might say, oh, synchronized swimming or whatnot. But these are people. These are yeah. jobs. You know, these are positions that were okay just seemingly months ago. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But I feel for them. And if I was in that place, it would suck. But, you know, it's the world we live in. There's not much we can do on top of it. I wish we could. But sadly, it's like Boise State. They just brought their baseball team back after 40 years and then they cut them 20 to save money. So I have two more questions before we wrap this up. So I went on Twitter and I asked for some questions and <laughs> I think, you know, where this is going. The big man himself, Ben Maller sent in a question. So I feel obligated and I do want to know the answer. Who are your TV daddies? Well, wow. I know who my, is this separate than my radio daddies? Yes, it's separate. It is separate. Oh my gosh. My TV daddies. Let's see. Well, let me, let me start this. So before I get into the TV daddies, the radio daddies for the listeners and the viewers here are, are three people. And we make all sorts of jokes about this with, with Ben Maller. I actually have this drop. I, I mean, I'm sure you might've even yeah, heard. I've heard it. Yeah. 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 With, with Ben Maller. He absolutely hates it when I play that drop. And I've actually gotten a lot of hate from the Maller militia because of this. Then there is Jason Smith, who is always like talking about going on a date with my mom. And so there's that. And then Andy Furman, who you might listen to, he's got a show with Brian No on Sunday mornings. And Andy and I have this little jab back and forth where we make fun of each other about you know, being a father-son, like a dysfunctional father-son relationship. Uh, let's see, as far as TV daddies, Gosh, probably who would I think would be a TV daddy? How about this? Somebody like, oh man, he's got to have a, he's got to be funny. He might have to have a level of, you know, 
being known as like like a player. <laughs> Gosh, uh, let's go. Let's go. Sylvester Stallone. All right. Was no, let's, go, let's, go, let's go with that. He's my TV daddy. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, he would be number one. Okay. All right. My final question is, what is, this is an odd transition, but what is your most athletic accomplishment? It could be from middle school, elementary school, high school, college. Okay. I've got two here. All right. Shoot. First one was I had a double eagle in golf. I had a two on a par five. I had like about 210, 220 yards into the pin, a blind shot over some weeds and a dog leg left. And I was golfing with some buddies and I took like a, I was like a fairway wood and I went up to the green and I couldn't find it. And my friend says, let me just look in the hole for a second. And there it was. Here's the other one. And, and a lot of people don't believe me, but I promise this happened. Uh, so when I was a kid, they had this, and I think they still do this, this Michael Jordan basketball camp in Santa Barbara. There was like hundreds of kids that, that show up to this. And the one year I was there, Michael, one of Michael Jordan's sons, Marcus, was at the camp. And Marcus is a couple years younger than me, but he was in our age division as far as the teams and the scrimmages. And we played this glorified game of knockout. And there were literally like 35 kids lined up at the free throw line for this game of knockout. And lo and behold, it came down to Marcus and I, and I beat Marcus Jordan in, in knockout. Those two are my, uh, my glorious achievements, as humiliating as they are. <laughs> those are pretty cool. I would take those. Can't complain about yeah. those. Yeah. All right, so I appreciate you coming on. Where can the listeners find you at your podcast? Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter. And I know you do, Walker. Follow me on Twitter at Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y. And you can follow my whereabouts, what I'm doing, content, where, where I am on the radio. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you for having me, man. Yeah. And uh, keep up the good work. What, I get him a stripper? What do you want no, me to do here? Buy him I mean, a drink? I get him a prostitute? What do you...